Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our Big Island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken. Aloha, good morning. Welcome to Island Conversations. Just a reminder that you may hear Island Conversations every Sunday on KWXX and on B93, B97. And the programs rebroadcast the following Friday on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo. When this new county administration, and that would be Hawaii County Mayor Harry Kim, took office two and a half years ago, the county budget was $463 million. The new budget, which is slated to take effect July 1st, as proposed by Hawaii County Mayor Harry Kim, will add more than $100 million to the budget at $583 million. The new budget also adds, I believe, around 93 people to the county payroll and has has been discussed in the past Once you add a person to the payroll, you're pretty much adding their benefits essentially forever. This is money that we, the citizens who live and work on this island, have to come up with via property taxes or other taxes and fees. Many people feel the county budget, and more importantly, the budget process is out of control. We're lucky to have two members of Hawaii County Council with us today to help us understand more about this budget and, as I said, more importantly, the county's budget process. Council member Sue Lee Loy represents parts of Hilo and Keokaha. Born and raised here on the island, she's in her second term as a council member but served as a legislative aide for 10 years. So she has a really good background in how the county and the county council work. Aloha, good morning, Miss Lee Loy. Good morning, Sherry. We're also joined by Councilmember Tim Richards, who represents South Kohala through North Kohala. Mr. Richards is also in his second term on the council. He was born and raised here and brings his experience as a practicing veterinarian to several issues the county is facing, including recently working with state and federal officials to get the one small animal slaughterhouse on the island reopened. Thank you for being here, Mr. Richards. Aloha, Sherry. Thanks so much for having us. Now, during the budget hearings before the county council in April, when Mayor Harry Kim said he leaves budget issues to the department heads. It was revealed that there is apparently little budget coordination and little coordination between departments in general. We heard about computers with software with no licenses so the computers don't work, about systems that have been delayed for years, about processes and systems that leave departments with less information and capability than before and unable to communicate effectively with other departments that may need the information. So to the observer's eye, it looks like the county budget and process is pretty much out of control. So I'd really like to start with, what is the county budget process? The way the budget works, we're on an annual budget, and the budget process for the departments starts in August or September of the previous year. They go through their process and their budgeting, and that gets, as I understand, delivered to finance somewhere first or second month of the next calendar year. We receive our first crack at the budget the first week of March. And that would be the county council gets your first county chance council. to look at it first week of March. And that is the considered the draft. And the reason they consider it a draft is that they are still certifying values coming up from real property tax. If we look at our real property tax, that supplies somewhere around two-thirds of our income stream for the county as a whole. So what they want to do is before they give us their final budget, they give us this initial budget and then are waiting for certification. 
Then we get the follow-up budget the first week of May, and that is the budget that we have to go forward with. Now, it's an interesting situation because the first budget may completely change when we get to the second budget. And so do we work on the first budget? Yes, but it can change, and we won't have any, any information until we get the second budget. Another part of that, too, Sherry, is our legislature. Pursuant to our charter, the reason why we get the second draft in May is because in our charter, we have to wait for the legislature to close. And so we have to wait until they go through their budget process, which is a biennium budget process. We understand what we may or may not be getting, and then we can adjust our budget. And then within the charter, I believe it's within five days of the close of the legislature that the administration, the mayor, will have to provide us with that final iteration of the budget. I understand there's something called the supplemental budget request right. from the departments. What is that, and to whom does it go? It is theoretically to finance and to county council that we get in the second iteration of the budget. And that's how it's been at least the first two years that we've sat in. Very unique and innovative this year, our council chair, Chairman Chung, asked for the supplemental budget right away so we could incorporate it into our early conversations going forward. We have basically a status quo budget that it appears is what's given to us initially. Then we have this follow-up budget. Our chairman asked for the supplemental budgets so we can see what the departments are looking for, and we can start figuring out whether or not we're going to be able to support that. Very different, but with that information, we're allowed to ask a lot more questions, and we're trying to delve into the different departments, discover their needs, but also discover their problems, and see if we can come up with some solutions. Yeah, and the other part to that supplemental budget is it gave us a better insight as to what each department was looking for. And through the different departments, which the three-day budget review process that we went through, we were able to ask better questions, but also look for synergies. So for like example, we have a big problem with the building permit process. And there's some framework there that's kind of tied to our IT department with the communication as far as all the computer systems and how we layer that information across all of the systems, whether it's with IT, whether it's with building, public works, or planning for that matter. So we were able to see that in a better perspective rather than individually through each department. And as I understand it, the budget has to be finalized by June 30th because it has to go into effect on July 1st. That's correct, by charter. So we must have that. And the way that works is the first budget comes before us, we vote it in. If we do not make any changes or if we do not accept the second draft, it reverts to the first draft. And the first draft, which is a balanced budget, takes effect July 1. Okay, so that's interesting. You're saying that if you were to, for example, take the budget you were just presented with, which was the second version of the budget, which you got on May 3rd, I believe, if you were to reject that, then the budget would revert back to the March Correct. first budget? Oh, that, that's quite interesting, because that budget was actually less money than the budget that was just presented to you. Correct. Right, but the biggest hiccup, as Mr. Richards mentioned, is the real property tax valuations. So again, you see this disconnect as far as a time frame. We've got the first iteration of the budget, we've got the set property values, and then the second iteration of the budget. Another kind of hinky 
nests in this is that if the council were to decide or the administration were to decide to dial back real property taxes, we would have to do that prior to the first reading of the second iteration of the budget. So when we look at the Sunshine Law and the time it takes to post this types of information, get it agendized, set a public hearing, let the public be informed by way of two newspapers, that's a lot of time. Unfortunately, by the time we get the second iteration of the budget in May, and then the first reading of that, we're looking at maybe three, maybe four weeks, and then another four more weeks before we have to get it passed. Now, backing up a little bit too, Sherry, we know that the budget takes effect July 1, but there is a wait period for the mayor to veto what the council might send back to him. So when we start back mapping from June 30, I believe it's 10 days. So we would have to act upon the second iteration of the budget somewhere around June 15, June 20, right? So that we have that window if the mayor is to veto, the council still needs time to agendize and possibly override that veto. So again, it's a very small window that I think much of the general public really is missing. They think there's just hard dates, May 1st, July 1, but there's so much planning, so much scheduling, so much agendizing that has to happen. Most people in the county with whom I've spoken have expressed serious concern about the amount of the budget increase. And I know that this year, Councilwoman Ashley Kirkowitz proposed forming what's called an ad hoc committee to really look at the budget. And from what I've heard from business leaders and people in the community, they were applauding that because it has been felt that the council didn't really take the time to do a thorough analysis of the budget. Help us understand why the ad hoc committee could not happen because of the Sunshine Law. You're exactly right. And this has been something I've been saying since I was elected. The first year when we went into budget, we took office in December and we started our budget that March. And it was this very steep learning curve. We were facing a budget deficit, so we had to approve real property tax changes. The window is very, very short that we're allowed to do that. It's only the two months, essentially, when we get our budget. And so that's problematic. And just as another side note, even if we want to reduce the real property rate, we have to have public hearings. Coming back to the budget as a whole, my first year I was learning how to do the budget. Second year, one of the problems, and I've repeatedly stated this, is that we legislate in silos. We don't pay attention. We don't look at our revenues and we don't look at our expenditures in context with each other. We think we know what we're going to do and we pass one piece of legislation then another. And it was my belief that an ad hoc could address this. We've done it with some of our other pieces of legislation. And for me, it's a way to have those conversations. As Councilwoman Leloy said, we must agendize everything. An ad hoc committee with a very focused direction, we can have those conversations and report back to the group as a whole. They are not decision-making bodies. They are, by definition, less than quorum. So they are to investigate and report back. Under the Office of Information, when a opinion was requested, they thought the scope was a little too wide. Meaning of uh, an ad hoc budget committee? An ad hoc for the budget. 
I personally don't share that. I think we could have gotten something done, but the scope was too wide. It needs to be more focused. Okay, well, let's get back to the basic Sunshine Law. What does the Sunshine Law say, and why would that stop you from having group discussions, as any business would do, about the budget? The intent of the Sunshine Law is good. The intent was to have open and transparent government. We all actually support that, greatly support that. The problem is the interpretation of what constitutes violation of Sunshine Law has become so strict that even if three of us want to attend an educational event, one of us either has to leave or we have to file paperwork saying we happen to be at this event if we wanted to attend a Leeward Planning Commission meeting or something like that, just to listen, to educate ourselves so we can make a better decision, we're prohibited by Sunshine Law unless we file paperwork. Okay, well, let me just get something straight. The state legislature created the Sunshine Law. Correct. The state legislature exempted itself from the Sunshine Law. Also correct. So the only groups to which the Sunshine Law applies would be essentially the county councils on the islands and then certain boards and commissions. That's correct. Well, just let me go back. Any business periodically would sit down and do something like really hash over budget issues. I mean, that's just the way any business would operate. That is essentially what I saw you guys attempting to do, but you are prohibited from doing so. So you can't sit there and find out creative ways to fix this budget. Am I right about that? That's spot on. We can't brainstorm. We can't sit down and say, what if, what if, what if. Now, you can do it with one other member, and Sue Lilo and I do talk story, but we can't talk to anybody else. And this is problematic for us conducting the business for the county going forward. We can do it, but it all must be in public forum and it's glacial because we cannot talk about anything unless we've put it on the agenda and if we discover something we can't talk about it till the next meeting because it's not on the agenda and a brief interruption to remind you this is island conversations i'm sherry bracken the podcast of this and other previous island conversations interviews are at kwxx.com today we're talking story with hawaii county council members tim richards and sue lee loy and next week we're going to be talking drugs with hawaii county police captain reed mahuna and lieutenant reynold kahale vai before we get back to our discussion let's hear from our wonderful sponsor kta superstores hey. At KTA, local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our mountain apple brand is all local so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA. And now back to Hawaii County Council members Tim Richards and Sue Lee Loy. Many people in the county have specific concern about the basic money involved in this budget. And I've heard concerns that this kind of budget increase is a pattern with this mayor. For example, when Harry Kim was mayor between 2001 and 2008, the budget went from $176 million to $403 million. That was more than doubling the budget. And to be fair, Mayor Kim has said that his predecessor, Stephen Yamashiro, was too frugal and there were many needs to be met. But 
During that time, several hundred employees were also added to the payroll, and now there's a proposal not only to make the budget more than $100 million, more than when this administration began, but to add an additional at least 93 people. I've seen different figures being included. And I have to say that I think that nobody would dispute that adding 42 police officers is an important thing but an additional 50 or more above that. Why is adding personnel to the budget so problematical? Miss Lee Loy, I know you... Yeah, I think... Well, I want to walk back a little bit to a comment you just shared with uh, Mayor Kim when he stepped in during 2001 and 2008. I had the privilege of working with Mayor Steve Yamashiro, and I understand what Mayor Kim is saying about him being rather frugal. I actually see it a little differently. Mr. Yamashiro left money for the counties to really start addressing our infrastructure, specifically our waste and our sewer. And rather than use that money at that time to address our aging infrastructure, which now has become astronomical in costs, Mayor Kim made the decision to add employees. So the business decision by Mayor Kim at that time was to provide personnel services. I often wonder what we would be facing right now with improved infrastructure by way of waste and managing our solid and wastewater and improved infrastructure and what that would look like compared to the employees that we have at this time. Interesting. Walking forward with adding personnel, I think we all need better services. Unfortunately, it comes with a cost. And I often use this example with our building division. We have people in the building division that approve permits. One permit that people have to apply for is for a wall or a fence. A wall or a fence that is six feet or higher needs to obtain a building permit. An employee, a plan checker has to review that. An individual has to pay for a permit. But we as council members cannot tax that wall. So we are constantly paying for the time and energy to run that building permit for a wall that will not generate revenues. And so if you take that on a grander scale with our police and fire services or our park services, they do phenomenal work. And they provide clean bathrooms and safe streets. But we continue to pay for that well beyond them and as they retire and the benefits that go with it. And so this model of adding employees becomes an unsustainable model because the cost of them keep going up every year and the benefits that go with it. To add on to that, it's the pension fund that we're struggling with. Currently, the unfunded pension for our county is somewhere in the vicinity of $2 billion dollars. How do we deal with that? That's four times his proposed budget. I was just going to say, I was worried about $583 million. I should have been looking at the $2 billion. And uh, if you look statewide, it's astronomical because we're just one county. We have one-seventh of the population here, and we have the state retirees in other counties. And so we're not alone in this. And if you go back to the 2008, 2009, when everybody's pensions were in trouble because of the financial crisis, We are still dealing with, I won't say crisis in this county, but we have something looming ahead of us. And so if we employ a whole bunch of new people, we're taking on that unfunded debt now. And is that the right thing for the county? I don't think so. 
You know, it's ironic. When Mayor Kim was running for office, he was endorsed by the Hawaii Government Employees Association. And I asked the local representative on the Kona side, I'm curious, why did you endorse Harry Kim? And he said, very bluntly, because he will add personnel to the payroll. I mean, he was right up front with that. And it looks like that's what's happening. You know, and like I said, most people don't object to police, but we're concerned about stepping back and taking a relook. I think you all probably remember in 2018, Bill Walter, who was then president of the Hawaii Island Chamber, wrote a very impassioned and excellent op-ed noting that any business periodically steps back and does a grounds-up budget look to make sure that the functions are appropriate, that the number of people in any function are appropriate. I did ask Harry Kim the specific question, would he be willing to do that? This was when he first became reelected a couple years ago, and he said he didn't think that was necessary. But at this point, is there something the council can do to fundamentally change the budget process? Is there something that can be done so we're not looking at the same kind of thing. I think we're on target to double the budget again if this mayor is mayor for eight years. Rough numbers. Uh, since we've been in office, which is a little over two years, the budget is, again, I'm a big numbers guy, round numbers, is increased by 25%. So we are on target to double if we continue this same growth in the budget. And is there something we can do? Yeah, there is something we can do. First of all, and we've started it, and we started it with our process of going through the budget hearings with the supplemental budget and having the collective wisdom of the group talking about where we want to take this county. The paradox is these decisions we make really won't affect our life. It's the next generation that we need to worry about. And we've already got a lot of debt for them to deal with. We better start making some better decisions sooner. We control the budget. If we don't approve it, then it won't happen. But the cumbersome situation that's set up for us to deal with the budget poses the challenges. As Councilman Leloy pointed out, the timelines are very tight and very problematic to get things done. But now that we have the next iteration of the budget, there will be amendments coming forth that we can affect some of the changes. Those will be happening to make a difference in the direction that we believe we can do and better serve. Something I bring up last year, we were under the gun to approve the budget. And by charter, we must have a balanced budget. And actually, that's a good thing. And that's a good thing. I, yeah. I'm all for it. One of the problems we hit last year, May 3rd, our island blew up, literally. And that caused huge problems in our real property tax assessments and thereby projections for income. So our budget wasn't balanced. Long story short, our backs against the wall, we had to approve a GE tax because that's the only way we could legally come up with, and we approved the quarter percent, not the full half percent that we could have done that. That rough numbers, again, gave us about a $10 million collection that would balance our budget. Right away, the administration wanted to appropriate all $10 million. We only needed five to balance the budget. And so council pushed back and said, hold this in reserve. It was the week that Hurricane Lane was coming ashore. I said, we may need this money. Let's not appropriate it. Long story short, we needed the money. And so thankfully, we had it. We can make some changes. You know, the other part of that is, and I really want to really thank our fellow colleague, Ashley Kirkowitz, for really having the courage to spark a different type of conversation. She, along with our council chair, Aaron Chung, really has empowered many of us to really ask a different question. And one thing we went through 
the last agency review, we started asking for more performance-based measurables, something that hasn't been done. I think all too often in the past, it was the same little choo-choo train track of question and answer. And even as we're presented the budget, they give us a book of what their goals and objectives are. They've been giving that book to all the council members for as long as I can remember. And despite getting the information that way, we pushed back and we asked for more performance-based measurables. If we give you this money, what is the return on investment or what type of services or improvement in services are we going to see? The other thing I hope going forward, and to answer your question, Sherry, what we can do with in the current framework really is just putting forth amendments to the current second iteration of the budget. But I'm hopeful that over the next year, we can look at maybe charter amendments uh, that we can propose. Of course, we have to go through those strokes and we won't see those things take effect till 2020 or maybe 2022, but at least it starts a different conversation. We've also begun to lean on other municipals like Maui County and see how they do their budget because they do it all year long. And one thing I do hope we can get to is something that Sylvia Luke, our finance chair at the House. At the state level. At the state level. She's looking at zero-based budgeting where every department walks in with no money and then they have to prove to the legislators what they need, what they can deliver. There's some models out there that we can borrow or begin to try and implement. It's just going to take a little bit more time, but I am hopeful. And like I said, I think we have a strong council asking really great questions and really shifting the conversation. Well, I have to second what you said about Council Member Ashley Kirkowitz because I have listened to her talk about budget. And if anybody wants to look back at the Hawaii County Council website and look at the video from the finance hearing on May 6th, Ashley really talked in a very impassioned way about her belief about what has to happen going forward. Now, the issue about the Sunshine Law is a big issue. I don't think any of you want to do things in secrecy, but if you can't sit down and talk about the budget in a rational way, how do we ever get moving forward? We won't, and that's the problem. If nothing else, I can say that we are tenacious as far as trying to find, seek a path that's going to do the best thing for the county. Bringing up something that Sue was talking about, we talked about submitting amendments to the new budget. Now, if we were in a committee, and just as an example, Sue has a budget amendment that affects, unless we can pick one um, account, let's pick mass transit. She wants to do something with mass transit. I want to do something with mass transit, but I have a different amendment. Both of these amendments won't come out until we get to council or the six-day pre-meeting agendized, but we have no time to work out the differences. Then we get into council, and now we have to work out the differences, and both of them may be a good idea, but maybe a hybrid is going to be better. But we are not allowed to work that out until we get to 
the council, which slows down the whole process. And then we run under this timeline where if we don't get this thing resolved, we maybe can't get this amendment in. And so this is where we get hamstrung of trying to do good work. We can't do the brainstorming, and thereby we can't work out the differences. We're not allowed to caucus. We can't go and figure this out. And so that's where we get challenged. It's not that we want to do things in secret, by no means, but the timelines are so short. That's where we run into problems. Well, and like I said, any business normally sits down and talks about issues like this. What you're asking to do is not unusual. The thing is, it's the state legislature that controls the Sunshine Law. I'm not clear. Is there a solution? Because I'm beginning to see the point of previous council members who said, and even County Prosecutor Much Roth said a few weeks ago when we talked on this program, that the Sunshine Law is hamstringing us. How is it possible to get a change if it is? There's been several attempts at the legislature, and for whatever reason, they've fallen by the wayside. I see it as just a policy shift. It's words on paper. This year would have been a great year to get just some words on paper that would shift us a little bit. And, you know, like Tim said, caucusing is so important. The legislature uses that as a tool to weed out the things that don't matter. You know, you got 10 things on the table. They walk out saying these are our three priority items. And the reason why we pick these three is because there's more synergy, there's more opportunities, and we can do more with these three things. You know, caucusing is so incredibly important. And it's something that is used at legislatures all over the country, although I will have to say our state legislature does not buy themselves any favors when they do things like gut and replace. When they walk in at the last minute, they take something that says A, and when it comes out, it says Z, and nobody had any chance to talk about it. And we're protected in our county because by our code, we must have legislation that is reflected in the title and it has to be specific. And I agree, the gut and replace, um, no, do not support that one at all. That's not a good policy. We are at the end of our time together, and I'd like to get whatever closing comments you would like to make. Let's start with you, Ms. Sue Leloy. First of all, Sherry, thank you so much for having me and Tim here today. It really was a great morning. I think going forward, when we look at the budget, if we could get some feedback from our constituents as far as what we're doing right and how to champion their ideas or ask better questions, we'd love to hear that. And what we're doing wrong. I think offering a solution or another alternative. Our doors are always open. We want to hear. There's two things that the council does. We write policy and we do the budget. Those are our primary purpose. Some of the other feel-good stuff we do, we enjoy it because we enjoy serving community. We want to see a healthy, thriving community taking care of our keiki and our kupuna. If all of that fell by the wayside, it's writing policy and hammering out this budget. So thank you, Sherry, for having us. Thank you. Councilmember Tim Richards, closing comment. Thank you, Sherry. And again, I will echo once again Councilman Leloy's statements. Um, we do appreciate being here and, and having the conversation. The budget for the county of Hawaii is very complex. And if you want to know how all the funding comes in, it's a lattice work coming in and a lattice work going out. And trying to figure out how to best determine the use of those dollars is the tough one. We keep seeking a better way to do it. And some of the things that we've identified is the synergies between departments or lack thereof. 
How do we improve that? It's no secret, I've been probably the most outspoken critic of mass transit in the last several years, rightly so. But I think we've discovered some things about mass transit in this last budget cycle, but we also have a very good person at the helm. Brenda Carrera, I have great confidence that she's going to do that. Through the whole process, what we're trying to do is spend the people's money better. And that's why we keep seeking the answers. And I agree with Sue that our doors are open. Help us seek solutions. If you have an idea, float it our way because we do incorporate them and we listen. So, again, thanks so much for for the morning conversation. To our listeners, thank you so much for being here with us for Island Conversations and a special mahalo to Hawaii County Council members Sue Leloy and Tim Richards. This is Island Conversations. I'm Sherry Bracken. Until next time, please, let's all live and drive with aloha. Ahui ho. Thank you for listening to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken. Brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.